increasing regulation, market saturation, and rising interest rates. Still think short-term rentals make sense? You're not alone. Join industry experts Bill Faith and Kenny Bedwell as they discuss how you can invest while still staying ahead of the curve, identifying trends before they happen, or blowing them away outright with their insights. This is STRonomics. The podcast is brought to you by Market My STR, the ultimate all-in-one marketing platform for short-term rental hosts. Are you tired of juggling multiple marketing tools? Say goodbye to the hassle and make your life as a host a breeze with Market My STR. Boost your booking rates and increase your revenue in no time with our powerful features. Our platform streamlines your marketing efforts so you can focus on what you do best, providing unforgettable guest experiences. Whether you're a newcomer or a seasoned host, Market My STR has got you covered. Stay connected with your guests using our comprehensive set of communication tools. From custom landing pages to text messages, email marketing, and social media integration, we provide all the tools you need to elevate your short-term rental business. Streamline your operations, enhance your guest experience today. Don't settle for less so we can have it all. Make the switch to MarketMySTR's all-in-one marketing platform and watch your business soar. Visit MarketMySTR.com today to sign up for your free trial. That's MarketMySTR.com. Elevate your short-term rental business with Mark and my STR. Hey, welcome back to STRonomics. I'm Bill Faith, joined by Kenny, the data nerd, the data scientist, Bedwell. Yeah. How are you today, Kenny? Doing great. Doing great. How are you doing today, William? Um, I am awesome. Really awesome. I'm going to be even better tomorrow afternoon, but heading there uh, tomorrow morning, so I'm kind of excited. Uh, but you know what I'm really not excited about are all these stupid motherfuckers that are taking out HELOCs. Um, on their properties, it, it's dude, it scares the shit out of me, Kenny. And you just brought this up and you're right. And I probably, I, I haven't seen a whole lot, I guess maybe I have more advanced investors that follow me than you do. No, I don't know. I'm just kidding. Um, but it's, it's scary that people are taking out eight, eight and a half percent HELOCs on a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars on their primary residence. And it's really not even any different on, you know, if they're doing it on an investment property, in my opinion, but it's a, it is a little bit different on a primary residence. I think we should all protect that, you know, especially if you have a young family, you have a young family, you know, I have kids that are in high school and stuff. And I just, I could, I'm pretty conservative. I think people think I'm probably super aggressive, but I could never imagine anything happening to my home. You know what I mean? So I protect that at all cost. I think one of the big things is people and I want your opinion on this, Kenny, they don't factor in the cost of the HELOC money. I've got a client, you know who he is. He's in our mastermind and he's got 600K on a HELOC right now. And it started at 3% because he used it to buy his first SDR and he used it to buy his second SDR. And then he used it to rehab the second SDR. And then he used it to you know improve uh, the first SDR. And now he's got two SDRs, probably just under 2 million, one, eight one nine total purchase price combined doing about under four hundred thousand probably three fifty to three hundred eighty thousand dollars in revenue this year um and six hundred thousand six hundred thousand dollars on a HELOC that started at probably four percent maybe three and a half and it's now eight and a quarter percent mm. yeah that's four thousand I think it's four thousand six hundred dollars a month that's a whole nother investment. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, it, I had a call with a couple. Let's pull my hair out, Kenny. It's short. I can't grab it, but it scares me. They, 
yeah and the way people are running their numbers like it it's not there some of them aren't even taking into account the payment back to the HELOC in their pro forma you know so I was speaking to this couple and they sent me a turnkey property in California and um you know like they were like what do you think and their revenue number is way too high um you know then they were looking at the you know their interest rate was low and they're just like all these like red flags i was like that's wrong that's wrong and then they didn't take into account the actual payment back and then we ran that again even with the payment back in i mean it was like they, so they were t- their, their down payment cash was going to be heloc yes yes so the down payment was the heloc on the property uh the investment property and there, and it was a strictly a cash flow play, meaning that there's no appreciation in the asset. They're saying, look, this property has the cash flow enough to pay for itself and then pay for the HELOC back. And I was like, you're going to be paying. I mean, they were negative to begin with. But even then, if we said, okay, well, cool, the, the, they made an, if you could make enough. You'd be paying your HELOC back. I did all the math. It was like take them ten years based off that cash flow. And that's typically what the balloon is: is ten years. And people don't even understand that there's a ten year balloon on most HELOCs. Right. Some so, of them have five years right now, Kenny. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, just I was like, this isn't. You, no, stop. Like, and here's the thing: like, I know this is a little bit. I personally wouldn't do it just based on my situation. I don't want to tell somebody else like. You shouldn't HELOC your primary residence. Fuck that. No, you shouldn't. No, it doesn't work. I'm sorry for the bad language, but you know, I'm passionate about <laughs> this. I very strongly about the, it. The problem <laughs> is, is if you don't have enough fucking money, don't buy the property. It's that simple. You're not even factoring in carry costs behind that. You should That's not take out a $200,000 HELOC at 8.5% when you have $100,000 in total life savings. It's stupid. Okay. You're putting there your you future at risk by doing yeah. that. It is very, very, very risky. And that's, that's, come on. It's stupid. (laughs) It's it's negligent. It's more than risky right now. That, that's fair. That's fair. I'm I'm being very (laughs) hypocritical here for a second. I'm taking out a HELOC to build a pool, a non cash flow generating investment of $180,000. I'm taking out a $200,000 HELOC. On my primary residence, is that risky? Yes, that there. No, well, it's not. No, 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 no. There, there is me, it's involved. not because involved. But yes, go ahead. I have the cash behind to pay cash. Sure. My cash, I'm making between fifteen to eighteen percent across all of my investments on my cash. So if I'm doing fifteen percent, I have a. delta on what I'm going to pay for that HELOC interest to the positive. So I'm making an additional 7% above that when I reinvest that cash. Does that make sense? Sure. So I have the carry costs behind my money. If I only had $50,000 or $100,000 or even $300,000 in cash, I would not put in the pool. I wouldn't take it out to make an investment either. It's what's behind it is the problem. Don't you agree? Sure. Yeah. It also has to do with your age. Kenny said he wouldn't in his situation. He's got a newborn. He's got another child that's young. He's much younger than I am. He's in a different financial position. He's in a different career path situation. Everything's different. These are all things 
that we have to take into account. The one thing I would tell Kenny is you have more time to take risks and make mistakes. And you know this, you're a smart kid, kid, adult, uh, than, than I do. I can't afford to make those mistakes. I just got off the phone, Kenny, with a couple in Canada that's 57 years old. They wanted to join my mastermind, 15,000 bucks to join the mastermind. They have $76,000 in life savings. I actually, I think they had a hundred grand in retirement and they said $75,000 in investable income. I said, you don't have any investable income. Yeah. They're 57. They lost their business in COVID, right? A lot of this, I get emotional about this stuff because I hate to see people screw up their lives by taking too big a risks. Mm-hmm. And I've been an entrepreneur my entire life. I've taken risks, but I bet on myself, which I know is a sure thing at this point, or I don't bet on it. And for a lot of you, especially if you're looking at doing your first investment, it's the biggest investment you're ever going to make. You're pro- I never put as much money down buying a personal residence, Kenny, as I did on my short-term rentals. I never invested as much money starting my two $30 million plus businesses as I did buying short-term rentals. It's a huge deal. I think too, like thinking about it, the way I like to think about the risk side is like, if it hit the fan, if shiz hit the fan, how would that if what hit the fan? Shiz. We'll say shiz. <laughs> This is, now, this is now an un- I know, you started all like, you stupid. <laughs> if the poop emoji hits the fan. There we go. Yeah, yeah. We're keeping G now. Uh, rated PG. So if it hits the fan, I mean, what's the impact to your, you know, your personal life, like your your home, your family is like, what's, what's that going to be, you know? And so that every time I go to make an investment, I'm keeping that in mind. So like, if this house, if this investment for whatever reason doesn't work out and I, ha- you know, like it, how am I going to pay for those expenses? Like if I, if it never cash flowed and I literally had to pay whatever the bill was out of pocket, how am I doing that? Do I, have I hedged my bets in other places in order to prop that up where I don't risk anything on the personal side? I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to stop you real quick. When was your newborn born? I think it was in April, right? April 1st, April 1st, a week after the SDR wealth conference. That was tight. (laughs) Um, Very tight. So if I go back April 1st, so March, February, January, December, November, October, or no, September, August. Wow. So that happened at the mastermind meeting in Miami is what I'm saying. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) But imagine if that was three months earlier, well, six months earlier, you left your job at city in like March, right? Of 2022. Would you, do you think today in retrospect that you would have left your job, the cush, you know, fortune 500 job with benefits, high salary, all that type of stuff. If you would have known that you had another one on the way to start STR Insights, uh, or I, I guess really to reframe that, how much deeper consideration would you have taken? Yeah, well, let's uh, let's get a little personal here, if that's okay with everybody. I, um, I get, Are you avoiding my, the answer to my question? I will answer your question, but I want to get a little more personal here because um, so... My wife and I were actually, we were pregnant during this time. We did have a miscarriage. Um, and so while I was still uh, like 
working at city. And so the, and I knew that I needed to quit, you know, to start S tier insights. And I did have to make that decision. And I did decide I need to leave S tier insights. I wanted to wait a little longer, uh, you know, to get through and build up. I wanted to leave city for S tier to start S tier. Correct. Yeah, correct. So instead of, you know, Oh, leave in March, you know, wait till like maybe June or July, uh, and, and do that. And I also considered just staying on, you know, cause I could get, I got two month paternity leave. I'd take that and then just peace out. But my boss would have been upset about that one, but, <laughs> um, you know, there, there were a lot of benefits and, and I, 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 show, I don't mean to interrupt your story, but that shows you the integrity of Kenny Bedwell because 99% of employees would have taken the, the paternity leave and then just quit. Sure. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, but I, yeah. So, I mean, I did, I did kind of make that decision when we were pregnant, um, with the, the, unfortunately with the, the baby we lost, um, you know, I, we we don't really like talk much about it and it's not that big of a deal, but, um, you know, it was something that we talked about in detail of, okay, like I'm going to quit and we're going to have this child, you know, how are we going to pay for things? How is that going to work? Like, do we have enough savings? You know, is this, our investments safe? Like, do we feel like, you know, where we're at um, is a good place? I mean, technically too, that was when I was, we were closing on that Watkins Glen house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like we had, we had a lot of, I mean, the carry costs, I had eight months carry costs for that house because- of, For Watkins Glen purchase. Watkins Glen, yes. And so, what, what about personally, Kenny? How much did carry costs did you have for your personal budget at that time? Like your household budget? enough for like two to three years like literally so that, that's a big number yeah it doesn't matter if your budget's five thousand dollars a month yeah. or fifty thousand dollars a month that's a long runway right yeah and and the thing that i want people to really understand it was a terminology that i used during covid when i was before i even started in this industry as a coach and it was coaching in the ground transportation hospitality space and the most important thing before PPP came out, before EI, before anybody could get their hands on EIDL funds, was extending your runway as far as you could. You had the cost cut immediately. You had the cut, you know, people getting laid off, fired, all those types of things, because you had to extend that runway because people didn't plan well enough. Then most people didn't have 12 months in reserves. And the perfect example in our industry, Kenny, is Stay Alfred. If anybody remembers them, they had like nine buildings in Miami and Austin and two here in Nashville. And they were arbitraging essentially, you know, high-end condo high rises. And they were out of business in less than 40 days. By like May 1st, they were gone. Poof. Stay Alfred was gone. Bree and I even did a staycation at one in Nashville and it was nice, but they didn't have enough reserves. And that's why I get really fired up about this topic is because those reserves, would you have quit your job with three months reserves? personal no 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 would you have quit your job at six months nine Um, months 12 months what's that threshold i think 12 months yeah i would have done it at 12 for sure most people that are buying strs right now don't even have six months of reserves personally and they're they're spent they're investing their entire future into short-term rentals and i'm going to tell you guys from probably two of the best pickers of properties in our industry somebody could argue that but I'm going to tell you, it's really hard right now. It's, yeah. really, it's really hard. It's, I don't want to say it's impossible, but I mean, I've got, as we're recording this, I have six days left on my 1031 for identification. And I have no clue what I'm writing down on that piece of paper right now. And I've done 
I don't even know how many 1031s a ton. And I've never been this down this far down the wire, you know, to figure out what I'm going to do. And I've hit six markets, as you know, Kenny, um, in probably the last four or five weeks. And I've got one more uh, to look at next week. And I've got to make the decision by next Thursday at midnight. It's, it's a, it's a stressful position to be in because I don't want to, I don't want to settle and acquire an asset that's going to be a drain on my time and not profitable. That's why I sold the last property because I wanted to turn that into something, you know, to, to make more money based on my time and money valuation. And now it's become very challenging. And I think one of the things that's probably something we should talk about in a future pot, a future podcast is just, I can find stuff, but I don't want to overextend my 1031. I don't want to sell a property for 600 and go buy a $2 million property. You know right. what I mean? Mm-hmm. I want to stay in that, you know, 600 to $900,000 range so I can do that again. Because if I go too high, then I'm at risk again. I'm creating more risk for myself. If I have to ever access that cash or if I have to, if I want a 1031 again, and I know you can split, I've done that in the past, but it just, you end up putting yourself in a box. And I think that's what people are doing when they HELOC. They're mortgaging the second and third property or the next one or two, because essentially if they take out a hundred grand, it's going to potentially be, you know, an interest. It's going to be a payment on what that hundred grand could be used to buy a $500,000 property on that HELOC, right? So you're almost eliminating 50% of your profitability uh, by using that Azure down payment at an eight and a half percent interest rate. Would you, would you HELOC an investment property though? Would I personally? Yes. No. Really? Okay. I probably won't even end up taking a HELOC out of my pool, to be honest with you, <laughs> because I don't want to attach something uh, to. So I, I, to I, the life plan, Kenny. I would an investment property. I would definitely consider it. And, and how old are you? Not that old. Like you're <laughs> like early 30. What are you? 32, 33? I turned uh, 31 uh, two weeks ago. So. Yeah. So, okay. So happy birthday. You're 30. <laughs> you. I'm 50. That's what, that's, you remember the very first meeting in Gatlin, very first mastermind meeting in Gatlinburg. What did we spend the entire fucking day doing? Building out your life plan. You remember those first six pages of your workbook? Remember the first whole module in the accelerator? I've got a plan for me. It's to eliminate my debt. John, the bank whisperer Hodge, he's leverage, 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 Ryan, leverage, leverage, leverage. They're different. You can do it. You're at 30. I'm 50. This is why you have to have a plan, right? And I'm not, I, I never want to inflict my plan on somebody else ever, but you need to have that outcome identified so you can architect your way to get there. If I'm 30, if I'm 30, I'm at 80% LTV on every investment property, right? Literally, I would, I would have everything maxed out. But today I'm trying to go Dave Ramsey style, man. I want to get my debt, you know, paid down. And that's the one reason why I sold Beach Mountain. I'm looking for this other property because I want to get into that seven figures, you know, on income on my rental portfolio to pay down that last four million before I retire. If I can, so there's a whole systematic plan, you know, for that. And then what, you know what happens when I get to retirement? Then I can sell some of those properties that don't have cost eggs, 1031s, VSERs, encumbrance to it. And I can start to shorten my, make my portfolio even smaller. Mm. That's the ultimate goal that nobody talks about. How do I make my portfolio smaller as I get older without yes. having to compromise cash flow or investments? Right. 
Everybody talks about more units and people are leveraging HELOCs to get more units. And as you said earlier, they're not running the performance accurately. They're not looking at their reserves for your personal household budgets and also to cover the property. That's the double whammy. Don't compromise your household budget, your personal, your family, your kids, their future, their college, their 529s, your self-directed IRAs, your 401ks. Don't sacrifice that to make an investment today unless you are 1,000% certain. I've seen two properties, Kenny, two that are what I would call 100% locks in the last six weeks. They're both in the same fucking market. You sent me one of them a couple of days ago. Oh, really? Okay. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, sure. Wait, wait, or did the market or what? The, the market, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the yeah. properties. And there's no question that one you sent me, I can turn that into a super property. No question. Yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that Bree is going to let me pull the trigger on it, but that's still in discussions if it's still available. Those, how many, how many hundred percent locks have you seen in the last 60 days? Uh, yeah, definitely a handful. Um, they pop when up. we were doing Bill and Kenny's hot picks a year ago, how many were we seeing in the 60 day period from June through July? I would say a handful. 10 a week. Yeah, I would say 10 a week. I'd say a handful a week. Whereas now it's like a handful, 60 days a month kind of thing. So five and 60 days in 2023, we're talking 40, yeah, 40 in the same 60 day period in 2022. That's 8x. Yeah. Eight Easily. times less on the locks right now. You better be super duper diligent on your underwriting process. Yep. You better make sure you understand the true cost and the payback period if you take out a HELOC. And it, it, it's kind of the same thing, Kenny, for a cash-out refi, if anybody's doing that as well. Um, because especially if you're taking an interest rate that's going to go from, say, four to eight and a half, right? What would happen if you would have stayed as is? I think there's other alternatives in this space for people to build up their nest egg that won't encumber you know, the risk of doing a HELOC or a cash out refi today. I mean, you could co-host, you could manage, you can do a lot of other things, uh, do some pricing optimization, side hustle, build websites, whatever, figure out how you can do it. But if you don't have the money today, you just better be really, really conservative. I agree. <laughs> I, I absolutely agree. I mean, the way I look at it too, even with the HELOCs, if I, for myself, if I'm going to HELOC my house, my invest, not my personal, but an investment property, I want that investment property to be able to cash flow enough to pay for its own self and then the HELOC as well in case the other property doesn't. Like, and you need and to have a defined payback period of yeah. your HELOC. You, I mean, just like when you go in and you do a 20, 15 year AM, a 20 year AM, a 30 year AM, some people are doing, trying to do 40 year AMs just to make it affordable. You got to have that defined payback period. Right. So, I look, if I'm doing a HELOC, if I did do a HELOC, I've done a HELOC one time. It's when I bought some uh, LTRs here in, in Nashville after I moved here. When, when I moved into this house about two years after, I built this in 2005. I HELOC'd in 2007. And I took out a 150 grand uh, to make down payments to buy two condos. It turned out to be a great investment, but you know what I didn't do at that time? I didn't pay it back. Mm. I was paying interest until the balloon came up 10 years. 
2017 because I didn't know any better. Right. So how much money did I lose in that? And interest rates were still low. They weren't twos like we, we saw during COVID. But then I had to make a balloon payment on that because I didn't schedule a payback period. And it's one of the things with Bree and I are in a different position than we were when we first started. There's no question. We made a lot of money in real estate, a lot of money in short-term rentals, and we accelerate our payback periods, right? So most of our, we, we have one DSCR product. My Banner Elk House is a DSCR. So we, we still have a documented payback period on that. And we pay principal into an account, very similar to like what, you know, McCallowick said with setting up your multiple accounts for profit first. All the others are on 10 and 15 year amortizations to pay them down where she's making payments twice a month. You know, we're adding on additional principal to those twice a month. So we pay down interest faster, making interest payments. And I think the real, the other real problem, this is probably a whole nother podcast, Kenny, about how people do financing can really affect their future outcome. There's a lot of people that are, have a DSCR, have taken advantage of a cost segregation, and they've done the 40-year AM or even a 30-year AM interest only, and they've gained no equity in a property, and that market may have taken a 20% hit. They can't exit today. No. Think about the people that have done 5% or 10%, the 10% down second homes and they can't, they need to access cash. They need to, you know, liquidate debt uh, because they're losing money. You and I know a couple of people in the accelerator and our programs that have had those issues. They just, their, their investments aren't performing the way that they thought when they bought in 21 or 22. And because they entered poorly, they have no exit strategy. That my friends, that, that stuff. It hits me hard. I think we need to do better. Kenny, Kenny and I need to do better. All of us as, as coaches and influencers in this industry, we have to bring these things to light so you guys that are watching this don't end up in that position. That's why I get really fired up about the HELOC stuff because almost everybody I see gets, especially when things when things shift as fast as they did, Kenny, this is where people get caught holding the bag. Yep. And it sucks. Is that it? That that is it, yeah. I'll leave on a dark note there, guys. We love you. If you really pay attention on how to underwrite, how to choose a market, how to choose a sub market, how to choose the property and evaluate at the property level, not just the market level, really understand the options for financing and how your long-term goals and where your current financial situation, how that plays a role into your investment strategy and into your reinvestment strategy with a HELOC or with a cash out refi or to sell into 1031 when you should or shouldn't use cost segregations, all of these things become extremely important. There's really only one place that you can get all of that education and in one stop. And I'm just going to seed this for you guys because I've got Kenny here who's a member of my super team. We will be launching an ex our accelerator program. That's the only place you can get all of this from the experts, from the tax guy, from the attorney, from the banker, from Kenny the data analyst, from Avery, from myself, from Chris, marketing, all of it. If you're struggling with any of that stuff, I would strongly advise you to consider going through the fall program with the accelerator. This is the first we're announcing it right now, Kenny. We are doing the accelerator again. We're doing it again. 
We are. News and to me. I'm just kidding. Kind of we are doing the accelerator again, and that's the place where, you know, that is the only place that you can get that. So, hey, hey guys, looking, you yeah. sorry to cut you off here, Bill. I was just going to say this pops on my mind. You know anybody who's looking for a property and they're new or they're like thinking about doing some of these things? Please have them listen to this episode. Like, I, I think a lot of people need to hear it and understand it. And there's, I'm having these conversations with people every single week. So I know there's people out there and maybe, you know, there's people out there. So like share this if you don't mind and let's, let's help some people out. Friends don't let friends make bad financing decisions. And part of that just starts with the mindset of opening up to, to feel free to talk about money. Yeah. That's hard for a lot of people. And I get it. I'm probably one of the most open people about my personal finances and money. And it's hard to talk about personal things. Kenny, I didn't know what you shared earlier. And I mean, I, I don't even know how hard that was. I, I'm about ready to get teared up just even thinking about it, to be honest with you. We just dropped our dog off for two weeks for training. <laughs> and my daughter and I are crying, you know, as we're not going to yeah. see our dog Shaggy for two weeks as I put it in military training. But I'm I'm dead serious. Friends don't let friends make bad investments. If you don't have somebody to talk to about money, if you don't have somebody to talk to about investing, then just shoot me a, a private message on Instagram or Kenny a message on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Because that's the reason that Kenny and I do what we're doing with this podcast. What I'm doing with the super team is to bring you the best of the best education to where you don't become one of those casualties that makes a mistake like this. We really appreciate you joining us. Thank you for joining us on STR Anomics. We'll see you guys next week. See ya. Thank you for listening to STR Anomics. Stay ahead of the curve and subscribe today. This podcast is a hospitality.fm production.